The following program is presented to you by the New York State School Boards Association. NISBA's President's Gavel Podcast is supported by the Harris Beach Educational Institution's team of attorneys. Harris Beach successfully represents more than 130 school districts and BOCES clients throughout New York State on matters involving school district operations, labor and employment matters, cybersecurity, and student issues. Learn more at www.harrisbeach.com. Hiring a new superintendent brings the promise of new leadership and anticipation for board members. Onboarding your superintendent is the next important step in meeting the challenge for success. In this episode of the President's Gavel, we learn what boards can do to help their superintendent with a successful transition. Stay with us. Let's call this meeting to order. Hello, everyone, and welcome to NISBA's President's Gavel podcast, a podcast for all school board members. I am your host, Darcy Dercoli, Director of Leadership Development at the New York State School Boards Association. Hiring a new superintendent brings the promise of new leadership and plenty of anticipation for all stakeholders. The excitement in the school community is palpable. Administrators, principals, and teachers have expectations and are anxious to form new relationships with the superintendent. And parents and community members may be pinning their hopes on new things happening in schools. The first few months of a superintendent's tenure are a critical time that can impact long-term success. Onboarding a new superintendent is the next important step in meeting the challenge for success, no matter how good a fit the new superintendent may be. There are some things that boards can do to help their superintendent with a successful transition. After all, the board wants to realize the district's investment in this new educational leader and see a successful future for all students. My guest is Dr. Vicki Ramos, former Wayne Finger Lakes BOCES District Superintendent, newly retired. She is here to share her experience of over 40 years as an educational leader. Vicki, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, Darcy, and what a pleasure to be here with you today. Thank you. Vicki, during this early period after the superintendent is hired, the Board of Education can do some very intentional things to help this transition, and that is what we're going to be talking about today. We know the board will be focused on building a positive, productive, working relationship with the new superintendent that will become the foundation of an effective governance team. So describe your view of the roles of the school board and the superintendent. What is the ideal relationship between these two offices? Thank you, Darcy. And I think I want to answer this question in a different way, going beyond what we normally talk about with governance of understanding your role in the board, being able to say we have an issue when the superintendent saying, well, this is how we're going to address the issue. I want to look at it totally differently. Um, I want everybody to think of this relationship as a team. 
because on a team together, everyone achieves more. On a team, everyone brings different skill sets, experience, and understanding for that ultimate goal, which is trust and credibility. Every district wants that from their board members, and every district wants that from their superintendent. So when we think of what makes an ideal team and how we can become a team, let's think of a word that we always use when we're talking about school districts and their boards and their um, superintendents. It's the word commitment. Everybody says we want you to be committed, but what does that mean in, in this ramification of this relationship? And for me, it means being very oriented with the results. That's the goal setting. How are we going to achieve what we know needs to happen? And how will we know we're achieving it? So the number one recipe for a great relationship that will ultimately land in great trust and, cred and credibility is knowing goals. What are our goals together? How are those goals aligned? And how are we going to know we're making progress on those goals? The second word that comes to mind to me is accountability. Everybody wants to say we are all accountable, but what does that mean in this type of relationship? And for me, it means building community. We have a responsibility, board members and superintendents have a responsibility to build a, a community within that team so that they can trust each other, so that they understand each other's barriers, they understand each other's difficulties, so that you can support each other in, in your zest of wanting to achieve those goals. And understanding, furthermore, the roles that we serve within that building that community, and then embracing that relationship as a team. So just a different perspective, Darcy. Yeah, and it's a great perspective. I think all of those things are so critical. Commitment, what are our goals together, that accountability piece, building that community within the team. I think they all are incredibly important and essential ingredients. So in addition to that, I know communication is a very important part of this puzzle. So what types of communication do you find very helpful between the superintendent and the board, and just as important, how do you develop mutual respect? So I'm gonna use my favorite three little initials for this one, TTF, timely, transparent, and focused communication. Um, I think it's very important that we are timely in our communication with our boards, um, and, and that the board is timely in their communication with the superintendent. No one wants to be surprised by any incident, especially when you're part of a community. But the communication has to be transparent in a two-way communication. We have to be honest with our communication and focused, my favorite word here of these two, because everybody talks about timeliness and transparency. The focus is how does this, how does this communication tie in with that goal that we we're talking about? Or how does this communication tie in with the latest conversation we had? And how did we mitigate the circumstances within the communication so that there is full understanding? And to develop mutual respect, which is ultimately what will lead us again to that trust and credibility that we were talking about earlier, is having the ability to have respectful, courageous conversations and that honesty that goes in those courageous conversations because everybody has the same goal 
which is being the best district and a responsible district financially. And when we all have the same want, the path in getting there has to be together. It has to be aligned. And when you have those courageous conversations, that honesty and willing to have that reflective conversation, it's a two-way communication. I mean, obviously no one is perfect. And if we can think about what we could have done better and the next time think of it that way so that we can remind each other we've been here and this is how we addressed it and maybe this time we'll address it differently. I really believe that that develops mutual respect. Great life skills no matter where you are, right? Definitely. So describe for me the function of entry plans. Should they include observations beyond the school district, community, et cetera? And once the plan is finished, with whom is it shared? And what is the process for observations being folded into the strategic plan? Oh, that's such a great question. Thank you, Darcy. So um, as a district superintendent, we do a lot of superintendent searches. And we always have our superintendents come in with, with an entry plan um, that's presented to the board as to this is what I want to do my first 30, 60, or 90 days in office, right? But this is truly a plan for the superintendent. This is a tool for them to learn, to reflect, and to be able to be open to um, what is what is going on in the district and looking at those gaps that they had read was happening, but they're not seeing. Once this tool um, succeeds what they had decided with the board as to what their entry plan was going to be, you know, taking those gaps and that reflection, reflection and then comparing it to the district plan, the entry plan should not be the district's plan. Right. This is really just for the superintendent coming in. Even if the superintendent is experienced, every district has their own uniqueness. And as a new member of the district, it's the responsibility to discover the wonderful uniqueness of this district, to celebrate what's already established, and to and then start to look to see where are we going with our next goals. And you compare it to the district plan. And where are the goals for this year? And this is where the communication starts between the, the superintendent, the community, the board. And it starts to share accountability because you're taking your observations and you're saying, this is where you are with your, with your district plan. And if there isn't a district plan and then forming a plan that you can use as a basis, your entry plan is just reflection and observation. But I have to say again, it is not, a district plan because it's one it's just one-sided right it was this new superintendent walking into that district and when you're creating a district plan it should be many voices right 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 i hear that and i i like the fact that you're sharing about the superintendent's starting point or the starting point of his or her walk into the district. And it's a way for them to get to know the district and really discover its uniqueness and then really be able to bring that insight into future conversations with the board and with others. 
Absolutely, with all the stakeholders. And if they have a strategic plan, how how are your observations aligning to the strategic plan? Maybe you missed something. It's a great opportunity to go back. It's a great opportunity to celebrate that the that the district's existing plan has many of the points that you observed. And it's a great it's a great place to say, well, maybe we need to rework this plan so that we can get where we need to go. Thank you so much for sharing that. I want to talk a little bit about quality practices. So what are some of the quality practices or standards for the superintendent and board operating conditions? Tell me a little bit about your thoughts on recommended routines for good governance, reaching agreement, and setting direction. I strongly believe that governance is ultimately so important for the relationships between the superintendent and the board and the board and their community. You know, governance was was exists because of our democracy. It's a way of making sure that all voices are heard. It's a way of being inclusive because of that organizational management that exists. And so when first and foremost, you have great governance going on, and then you, it allows us to be better listeners um, and to understand the direction that we're going as a board um, and to share measurable goals. So I think first and foremost, understanding governments and then having the time to fortify that government. Governance is, is extremely important. What time are you giving? Um, your functions to add value to the ideas that are coming through. Um, during governance, you also have a time to reach, as you said, agreement or set direction. What does that look like? What do those data dives look like? Because when you have governments, you have time to say, well, we're not addressing that right now, but let's set a time later to address it so that we can come back as a team to further make stronger decisions. And what is that measured outcome? And I think, you know, a lot of what you're describing to me reminds me also of the shared values uh, that the board and the superintendent and the community and the district would have so that they too can be aligned with those same kinds of practices. Um, all of these things, I think, continue to help support boards and community and superintendent feeling as though they're operating with confidence and with the trust of the community. Um, so that leads me to my next question for you, Vicki. I'm curious to know, what are some of the effective strategies superintendents use to balance individual relationships with board members, especially when the performance or needs among one or two board members may be different than the others. So I was, I'm thinking back to our first initial question that we discussed together about ultimately wanting to be a very strong team. And I think that there's pieces that superintendents do rely on uh, within great governance of school boards. And it's the role of the president. You know, the, the role of, of the president of the Board of Education is truly there 
as a source to not only be a communicator, but also that link between the board and the superintendent so that the communication is clear so that we stay aligned to the pieces that we're working on together. And it, it it's just ultimately a wonderful relationship and example of how the role of the superintendent and the board president truly come together to unite their focus and their work. Um, I, I also think that workshops are a fantastic um, tool for board members and superintendents to be able to balance those individual relationships, especially um, amongst all the board members, because you know, we talked about the first question, building community, and what does that mean? And eventually, great districts have great boards and great superintendents that understand the word kinship. It's beyond just community. It's not leaving anyone out. It's understanding that everybody brings value to ideas and how do we and then take those ideas and that value and say, well, maybe it doesn't work right now, but let's let's think of that later to see where down the path is this going to be able to work. And I think it's within those workshops and that time of building community and those data drives, because a data drive is not about my agenda, it's about what data is saying. But we do have a responsibility of making sure that everybody understands the story of those numbers. And it is up to the board and the superintendent to tell the accurate story and to say, this is what our data is saying. And with data dives, you just build relationships. It's a very objective path of getting there. And you have to act as the champion for developing that governance team, as superintendent must, as a whole in every individual, so that they can be the best leader that they can be. And, and, that, and that advocacy starts with that superintendent and continues with that board president together. I couldn't agree more, and I think especially with a new superintendent, it is now an opportunity for both the superintendent and the Board of Education to grow together so they can really build upon one another's strengths and uniqueness and talents and skills to be the best partnership in governance that they can be. That's what really serves districts and students at the end of the day is the high performance of both those sides of that governance team. And so I'm so glad you shared that with us. And we're at the point now where we need to end our conversation, unfortunately. But Vicki, I'd like to give our listeners some essential takeaways. How can board members apply what they learned in this episode at their board table? So our takeaways for today, I think number one is there needs to be alignment of goals between what the superintendent has and what the board has. You said it, everybody has that mission and vision and that value, that foundational value. And what, what are those goals and how are they like? And within those goals, what do they mean for the role of the board member? And what do they mean for the role of the superintendent? Secondly, that quarterly work 
to check to see how the progress of the goal is going, not only for the superintendent, but for the board members, and having that quarterly work to evaluate it together so that they can see, are we going at the progress and can we measure the progress at this point as we thought we could? And if not, what, what do we need to do to adjust so that we can get to where we want? We never want to wait until the end of the year. It's way too late. And I think when we wait until the end of the year, there's frustration to say, well, if you could have told me earlier, I could have done things better. And there's even frustration amongst board members of saying, well, I wasn't, I was not aware that you weren't feeling included in some of in some of these pieces um number three if a board doesn't have a board handbook oh design one develop one there are such great ones out there board handbooks are ideal and they are wonderful in everybody understanding the their roles of everybody making sure that voices are included a superintendent understanding the pieces of governance and how they can add to those pieces so that the team can be a strong team, creating that trust and credibility. And using the importance of the role of the board president. I mean, the board president takes on a lot of responsibilities and they truly have to sustain that relationship. And so I think that those are the four things I would say. One, make sure you have your goals, that they're aligned and that you have goals that are measurable to quarterly work, to make sure that they're working, um, that board handbook is essential, reviewing it, is it still applicable? And, and then your board president is ultimately a great leader within that district with your superintendent. Thank you, Vicki, for those four really important points. And I don't know any superintendent, new or veteran, and I don't know any Board of Education who doesn't want to invest in the success of their new superintendent and ultimately the success of all our students in the district. So this is so important, this conversation we're having today. And I hope that every school board who is hiring a new superintendent this year is working intentionally to build that relationship, to put all the stakes in the ground that are able to help support a successful partnership, uh, not only for their own benefit, but for the benefit of their students. So thank you. Thank you, Vicki, for joining me today, and I look forward to many more conversations oh, with you. Oh, thank you, Darcy, and I hope that we were able to give our, our listeners a couple of tidbits that they can use. Thank you so much. My pleasure speaking to you today. Thank you. Thank you. If you're interested in learning more about today's topic, check out today's show notes for additional resources. And if you enjoyed today's episode or find yourself tuning in each month, head over to NISBA's Facebook or Twitter and show us your support by giving us a like. Have a topic or idea? Email us at gavel at nisba.org. As always, thanks for listening. And this meeting is now adjourned. I would also like to thank my NISBA colleagues working behind the scenes, making it possible to bring this podcast to you. Thank you, Megan DeGennaro, Al Marlin, and Alyssa Maelo. 
My name is Darcy Derricoli, Director of Leadership Development at the New York State School Boards Association. And this has been a production of NISBA's President's Gavel. <laughs>